Praise the Lord. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, a promise made is a promise kept. I'm convinced whoever wrote that didn't have children because my children make all kinds of promises. And they all the time, dad, 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 can we get insert animal here? Can we get a fish? Can we get a guinea pig? Can we get a cat? That's the most recent. And well, we promise we'll feed it. I promise, promise we'll take care of it. We'll change the litter box every night. And we'll make sure that we clean up after it and we make sure that, you know, it won't scratch anything in the house, we promise. <laughs> yep, yep. They're great at keeping their promises. My, if it's not about animals, you know, it could be, Dad, can I use your phone? I promise I won't drop it. You should see my screen. I didn't drop it. My absolute favorite, can I play with slime in the car? I promise I won't make a mess with the slime. I'm convinced that slime and glitter are of the enemy. The devil constructed those. There, I tell you, clean out the lint trap and the dryer and just glitter just goes everywhere. Every time. It's amazing. It is, it's a beautiful thing having girls. Yes, glitter everywhere. Look in the mirror sometimes and have a spot of glitter. And I'm like, I didn't put it there. But they're full of promises. And you say, well, those are children. Children make promises, of course, that they think they can keep and they can't. But I, I venture to say that adults make promises as well, that they probably have every intention of keeping when they make the promise, and yet they fall through. For example, how many of you have gone through a fast food line lately? Promise, we'll make your food by the time you whip around to the window. 45 minutes later. Yeah. Or advertisements that promise the greatest slicer dicer ever invented. Just four easy payments of 1995. And you get that thing and it falls apart. Don't know how to put it together. I have uh, Amazon Prime, you know, and they promise to deliver in two days um, until COVID. And then you hope, and uh, on two occasions, but just recently, actually, I ordered something, not on Amazon, uh, on a different site, and um, the tracking, you know, excited to get your order, and the tracking, they give you a number, and you follow it, and it says, a shipping label created, gives you this date, and you're excited, and then it says, um, the shipment has arrived in the shipping facility in, I don't know, Georgia. Yay, okay. Then you check again a little later and it's now in North Carolina and it's on its way. Check a little bit later and it's in a facility in Columbus. And then you just can't wait for the next one because then it says, out for delivery. I checked just the other day, well, about a week ago now. It said, out for delivery. I'm so excited that I checked again, like I still haven't gotten it. And it says, shipping data undetermined. It, it got lost on the way to my house. It's supposed to be there. It tells me a time and everything that it's supposed to arrive. It got lost. So I check back the next day, still undetermined. The next day, undetermined. Finally, guess when it arrived? 
When I got home from work today, there it was. But promises, promises. They make promises. They, they try. They have every intention, I'm sure, to keep those promises. And yet, we are human, and we are great at making them, but not so great always at following through with those. So a promise, if you go to the next slide, I wanted to define what a promise was. A promise, one, says to assure someone that one will definitely do, give, or arrange something, undertake, or declare that something will happen. And the second one, a promise, is to give good grounds for expecting a particular occurrence or situation. A promise, by its very nature, involves a wait. There would be no need for a promise if they could immediately deliver. But we have to wait for something. The promise is, is given, and then there is a, a waiting period. We're going to study tonight some of the promises that God made to a particular man, Abraham, in the Bible. And his story and this story is, to me, fascinating. And we will get into as deep as we can go and see what there is to see because the story of Abram actually before when he was first promised he was named Abram and uh, there's a lot of really interesting things we're going to get into his story and then see how God makes promises to us today and how God unlike man when he makes a promise he's going to see it through you can be sure no matter how long the wait, he's going to come through with his promise. So let's begin on the next slide. It actually starts with not Abram, but his father. His father's name is Terah, and they were in Ur of the Chaldees, the Bible says. And this kind of not really surprised me, but it's a detail that uh, if you're not reading carefully, you might quickly pass by. But Abram didn't journey, at least not to begin with, on his own. In fact, the Bible says that Terah, his father, is the one who started the journey. Let's read in verse 27 of chapter 11 of Genesis. Now these things, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Terah, verse 31, says, he took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And we don't know why. There's no record that God told Terah anything. There's nothing that says God told Terah to go to the land of Canaan. I don't know why he went, but he started the journey and he took his sons with him and he said, here we go, we're gonna go to Canaan land. And they came unto Haran, not the same as his son's name, it's spelled the same in English, but the root is different. Um, they went to the city called Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Don't know why. He went. Don't exactly know why Abram went as well, although we're going to get a little clue here in a moment. But they journeyed 
out of Ur of the Chaldees and went on to uh, Haran where they stayed for some length of time until Terah, Abram's father, died. And if you go to the next slide, I have a map. I tried to make it as big as I could for you to see, but the journey started way over here in Ur of the Chaldees. And they traveled some 700 miles up to the north there where Haran is, at the very peak of that little line. And that is where they stopped. They went up there and they stopped at Haran. Terah all the time headed for Canaan. That's the direction they were going. That's where he said, let's go to. And for whatever reason, settled in Haran and stayed there. And then Canaan is the boxed area. This is where they ultimately wanted to go. But we get a little picture in the very next chapter of Genesis. If you turn to Genesis chapter 12, and verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And he still didn't say where. God just said, Go. I want you to leave your family, leave your father's house, and go to a place that I will show. I'm going to show you where to go. And I think it's amazing because when Abraham or Abram got that word from God, he didn't stay in Haran. And, and honestly, we're going to read in chapter 7 of Acts, it says, and he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. This is Stephen talking when he was about to be stoned. And he said, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. So somewhere between Ur of the Chaldees, way over here, and up to the very north where they stopped and stayed for a while, Abraham got the word and got the promise, I want you to go somewhere. I'm not telling you where yet. I'll show it to you. Just I want you to leave everything and go. Don't know when. Don't know how long ago. He may have been in Ur when he got the call. He may have been on the way to to Canaan through Haran with his father. When he got the call, he might have been the reason they left in the first place. He might have said, Dad, hey, God told me to go. If that's the case, he was a little disobedient because he took his father with him. And God told him, leave your father, leave your family, and go where I will show you. Regardless, the point that is very powerful to me is Abram did not go backwards. They were headed to Canaan, and when God said, go, I'll show you where to go, he started moving his feet, and instead of going back the way he knew, the way he'd come from, could have gone back to Ur, he said, I'm just going to keep on going the way I was going. I'm going to head forward. I'm going to go to Canaan. That's where we were headed in the first place. That's where I'm going to keep going. And I suppose if God wants me to go elsewhere, he can show me then, because he said, I will show you. And so he just moves forward. Now, this is not the point of the sermon, but there's a message there that when God gives you some truth, when God gives you some understandings, when God gives you some revelations, don't go backward. You just keep on moving forward and pressing on toward the mark. Don't give up the things that you've learned before. Just keep pushing. Keep going the way you know to go, and the Lord will keep on directing you. Don't go backward. 
Okay, that was a freebie. Next slide. And so on his way, just doing what God told him to do, go, go forward, and I'll show you where to go. So Abram goes forward and starts marching, and as he goes, we'll repeat the first verse, and then there's a few more things here. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I put there partial obedience. He still took his father with him, at least to Haran. But then once there, and his father died, when he kept on going, he took his nephew with him. And there is no record in the Bible that God was upset about that, that that was necessarily even a wrong thing to do. It just does say, leave your father's house behind. But I will put this forward, that Lot never caused any good for Abraham. It was a struggle for Abraham, everything he had to do with Lot from then on. So when God tells you to do something, just trust him and do what he says to do. Amen? Abraham went. Abram. I'm going to keep doing that. This is Abram. His name hasn't changed yet. So Abram keeps going, and he goes forward. In verse 2, just because he went, verse 2 says this. This is God speaking. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Wow, that's a big promise. And all Abram did was go. That's it. He was just obedient. God said, go to a land that I'll show you. And God didn't promise him when he told him to go. It was after he started moving that God said, all right, now here's the promise. And that's a big one. I'm going to make of you a great nation so far. Abram has no child. How is he going to make him a great nation? I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. I, and you will be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And all families of the earth will be blessed. And verse 4 says, so Abram departed. He gets the blessing and he keeps on going. He keeps walking. And Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. That's a little old to consider having a child when, you know, how are you going to make me a great nation? I'm already 75 years old. That makes Sarai, his wife, 65 or so, and so that's a bit up there to think about having some children. And so, what's he do? Give up on the blessing? Give up on the direction that God called him to do just because it seemed impossible or difficult? He didn't. He just kept on going. Amen? That was the first part. So I called that part one of Abram's promise. That was the initial promise. And you know what happened? Abram kept doing what God told him to do, and he just kept believing, and he was faithful. And the next slide, when we go forward a few verses in the same chapter, and Abram passed through the land, kept on going, to the place of Sikkim. Uh, today it's called Shechem. That's right pretty much in the center of that square where Canaan was. Made it right to the center of Canaan 
under the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land, verse 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, so after he had kept going, God appears again. He's already had the first blessing, which was quite a whopper, a big one. And then the Lord says this and says, unto thy seed will I give this land. This land that you're walking on right now. Okay, okay, God. So you never said where to go. I just started walking. Now I'm here and you're kind of saying, here's where I want you to go. Ever felt like that with the Lord? Like, I'm not sure where you're calling me to and what I'm going, but when you're there, you finally realize you're right where you needed to be. That's how God often works with us. And so Abram just kept on going and God added to the promise. That bit wasn't in the first part. The first time God promised him to make him a great nation and all that, he never said where it would be. Now he adds to the promise and says, this land is where I'm going to give you the blessing. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Verse 9, and Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. He didn't stay put. He just kept following that word that he got way back when that said, go to a land I'll show thee. And he kept on going. So that's the second part. Next slide. Fast forward a few chapters, and the next time God shows up, this is when Abram starts to get a little bit specific with God. Abram's like, hey now, you said I'd, you'd make me a nation. You said you're going to give me this land. But then verse 2 of chapter 15 says, And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. So you haven't given me any child, and yet I'm supposed to believe that you're going to make me a great nation. And so now he's just getting a little, I don't want to say bold with God, but just saying, hey, what are you doing? And I believe that's okay. I believe God can handle it when you get with him and say, hey, I don't know what you're doing, but I need something. Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. Stop your thinking right there, Abram. That's not what I have in store for you. He said, But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. You will have a child. And that is the one whom I will make my covenant with. Verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. So he added even more. He first gave him all those promises. Then he added to the second part a little bit more. And now the third part, he's added even more and said, you will have a child. It will come from you. And you are going to be more than the stars. If you could count the stars, that's how many I'm going to make you. And God added more. And this is where Pastor preached on Sunday about the covenant. And Abram took the heifer and split it in half and the various animals. And God showed up in a furnace, a smoking furnace, and made a covenant with Abram that day. that He's going to do what he said he would do. Third part. All right. 
There are six parts in case you're getting a little, you know, antsy. Next slide. It's Bible study night. We can do this. Fourth part, verse 18 of chapter 15. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from this is awesome to me because now it's no longer vague. Now God tells him exactly where this promised land is going to be, where you're going to inherit. I'm going to give you from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to give you this land. Map it out. Look them up. That's where you're going to get because you're faithful, because you keep moving forward, because you keep obeying, you keep doing what I'm telling you to do, and you keep believing and you're faithful. I will bless you. But he never told him this in the beginning. He just said, go to a place I'll show you. And because he was obedient, God kept adding to his blessing, adding to his blessing, adding to his blessing. It took all this time of believing before God finally gave him some specifics. All right, let's go on. Part five. Here, in between the last promise that God made Abram and the next one, how many of you have ever been impatient? Waiting for something. Just ask me in the Wendy's line. You get impatient. Hallelujah. Got to pray through. Because Sarai was waiting. In fact, really, there was no promise made to her yet. Directly, the promise was to Abram that he, from his bowels, would, there would be an heir. It didn't really specify directly that it would be Sarai. And Sarai gets impatient and maybe saw the little loophole there in that promise. And she says, okay, take my handmaid, Hagar, and you have a child with her, and we'll say it's mine, and, and that can be your heir. And we know the story. Ishmael's born, and God still doesn't neglect his promise. God still blesses Ishmael and makes of him a nation because he said he would from Abram. But... That was not the people of the covenant. And he was very specific. This is not my covenant will be with your child with Sarai. And at 99 years old, 99 years old, God shows up again to Abram. And he says, as for me, this is God, behold, my covenant is with thee. And thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and, oh, this is new, and kings shall come out of thee. That wasn't a part of the deal before. I'll make of you nations, more than the stars, and now he says, and kings shall come out of thee. And verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed. God said, okay, I'm going to be your God now. 
but I'm going to be the God of all that come after you. I make this promise, this covenant. God just keeps adding. Every time Abram is obedient and keeps going forward, God shows up and says, okay, now here's the blessing the way it was. Now I'm going to add a little bit more this time. And this, after this blessing, this is where God says, now I'm going to show you this is the covenant I want you to keep, and that is the covenant of circumcision. That's how serious God took this. I want you to mark it in your flesh that this is the covenant I have made between you and me. And now there's one more part. And I love this part because when God comes and tells Abraham, yes, at 99 years old, I'm going to make you a father. He literally, the Bible says, falls to the ground and laughs. That's Abraham. You hear the story about Sarah falling, laughing. Don't really pay much attention to the fact that Abraham fell to the ground laughing. Now, it has to strike me pretty funny to get me on the ground. Like, I, I can chuckle, a good one, and I can laugh pretty hard, get to the wheezing part where nothing's coming out. Ever been there? Good old laugh. But it's got to have to be something real good to get me on the floor. And that's how funny Abraham saw this promise, 99 years old, and you're going to make me a father now. Okay. God doesn't chide him for his, his laughter. A few, few chapters later, Sarah is overhearing this conversation now, a different one. God comes back, has another conversation with Abraham, and says, surely I'm going to make you a father at this time, in nine months or so, you're going to have a son with Sarah. And this time, Sarah's over, over listening, and she laughs. And God, I don't know if he gets mad, but he just asks her, why did you laugh? And she straightened up real quick. I didn't laugh. What are you talking about? And he says, yes, you did. You did too laugh. And you know what's great about this? Isaac's name, which God named, if you read it, God said, you're going to name him Isaac. They didn't pick the name. God said, you're going to name him Isaac. You know, Isaac means laughter. God promises a little joy in your life. Amen. He, in fact, he promises a whole lot of joy in your life. And after all of this, he says again to Abraham, the sixth part of the blessing, he says that in blessing... I will bless thee, and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. We've heard that. And the sand which is upon the seashore. That's something we haven't heard yet. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. They will be victorious. That's another addition to the promise that wasn't in the first one or the second, third, fourth, fifth. And now we're at the sixth. And he's saying, look, all of the blessings I said I would give you before, now here's just a little bit more. Your offspring will possess the gates of his enemy. Verse 18, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I said, go, and you went. 
and you just kept on believing. I said, you're gonna have a child. You thought it was hilarious, but you didn't give up faith. You kept believing. And every step of the way, God honored his faithfulness and kept adding to his blessing. Hallelujah. God is great. Abraham just kept going and going and going. He didn't know that the next time he went through something, God was going to add to his blessing. He had no idea that God would every time add something else to his blessing. He just kept on walking, kept believing, kept trusting. He didn't know when he started out and had to walk hundreds of miles year after year that God was gonna do what he did. He didn't know that he would suffer through a famine. We skipped it, but he went into Egypt for a time to survive a famine. He didn't know he was gonna have to fight a war to save his nephew from an enemy. He didn't know that he was gonna have to intercede with God. It wasn't all roses for Abraham. He interceded with God to save his family and even in his intercession, only Lot and two of his daughters made it out. But he kept believing. He didn't know at the start all the things he would have to go through, but he went through it and he kept on believing and trusting God. And God added to his blessing every time. You know what God does for us? God promises things for us today. We can look at Abraham's life and see how it relates to our lives today. Next slide. God, these are promises that God makes to us and there's no way in this time we could be exhaustive with the promises God makes for us. These are just some that came to me. And this one was one that applied to Abraham directly. He will direct your path. God will guide your steps. Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what's the promise? He shall direct thy paths. Hallelujah. I remember when I was just starting out in a career, <laughs> uh, I was very young, come, graduated from college with a biology degree and didn't know what I was gonna do. I got a job at a, a, a research facility in Columbus and worked there for several years and thought I'd probably retire from there and uh, God had other plans and I, tell him still over and over because it's easy to take back the rain sometimes but I tell him over and over Lord you direct my path you direct the bark you guide my steps and at that time uh, I was having Sunday dinner with my family after church and I was talking about the Jewish diaspora and you can imagine how boring that must sound and after I was talking for a while, I looked around and I realized they were still listening to me. And my now sister-in-law, but at the time she wasn't, they weren't married yet, Jen, she says, you know, if you were my Bible teacher, she was at Mount Vernon Naz taking classes. She said, if you were my Bible teacher, maybe I'd actually learn something. And my wife and I on the way home just kind of 
kidding around, you know, I was talking about, wouldn't it be neat to, to be a teacher also? My wife's already a teacher at the time, and I could be a teacher, and we'd have the summers off, and if we start a family, we'd have the similar schedule as our children would have, and, and that would be kind of a neat thing, just, yeah, shooting a breeze. The next morning, do you remember this, Pastor? The next morning, I woke up and headed for my job, and the radio was turned to a station I didn't normally listen to. Don't even know why it was on that station. And no kidding, before I made it to the stop sign on the end of my street, the first thing that came on was, if you already have a degree in science, the state of Ohio needs more teachers because we're, we're changing the graduation requirements for science and we need more teachers. If you have a degree, we'll pay for your education to become a teacher. And I said, hmm, called my wife. Well, my pastor, pastor said, go for it, apply. I applied, got into the program. Nine months later, was a certified teacher, just like every other teacher there was. And uh, okay, my job actually was supportive of it. They did like me, I promise. They were like, yeah, get another job. And uh, I applied for a job. I mean, this was just the Lord setting it up. In fact, he was able to make it so the school that I went to said, if you just pay for five more classes, which is a lot, but most of the time you have to do a lot more than that, we'll give you a master's degree. So I took five courses and had a master's degree on top of my education. And so uh, God provided that. I applied to a job. I have to laugh. I applied to the Afrocentric school in Columbus. Just take a look real quick. There's not much Afrocentric about me. And I just thought, you know what? They can't really discriminate, right? So I applied to the Afrocentric school in Columbus and, and uh, got a call the next day after I put my application in. Well, you don't really fit the bill for the position we have open. Surprise. But we'll take your application. We're going to give it to this other school. And within hours, I got a call from them. I went in for an interview, and that was it. On my way home, they called and said, you're hired to be a teacher, and thus began the journey. A wild ride as an educator. Um, but when you know you're in God's will, there's nothing else you can do. God lined it up. He pretty much wrote it in the sky. You need to do this. All right, it lined up with my pastor, it lined up with my wife, it lined up with the word, and so I knew that God was saying, go this way. And when you let him, he promises that he will direct your path. Amen? More promises. The next slide. He is your protector. Psalm 125.2, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people. Isaiah says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And the psalmist said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He was, he is, he is to come. But when, it's, when it comes to trouble, he's very present. He's right there. That's his promise. And you can stand on it. Next slide. He's a provider. Psalm says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Matthew says, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that ye have need of all these things. He's going to provide. Amen. 
Next slide. He is our Savior and our Redeemer. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. He redeemed us. In Corinthians, it says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Hallelujah. We are not our own. He's going to take care of us. Next slide. Oh, the weight. If it weren't a promise, can't the Lord just do it? Why does he have to make me promises that I have to wait on? And yet, there is a purpose behind the weight. When we wait on him, I remember last week, Brother Larry Hall put up some great photos of being on the mountaintop. I don't know if you remember that put up some really great, beautiful photos. And Anne and I traveled to uh, Europe and we went on to the peak of Mont Blanc in the Alps. And it's beautiful. It's white snow peaks all around. Um, but as you get up there, and no matter how beautiful the scenery is, it really is beautiful. And having mountaintop experiences, they are great. But one thing you notice, Nothing grows up there, and it's very cold. It's very cold and dismal. In fact, when we were at the top of that mountain, they told us that the workers that work there have to uh, acclimate themselves to the height if they're going to stay up there. We could visit for a short time, but if they're going to stay up there for a while and work, they have to acclimate themselves to that level, that altitude, and then when they come back down, they have to do it slowly and acclimate again back to normal pressure because the air is so different, so high. You can't survive on a mountaintop. And I love the mountaintop. I love when God takes me through something and we get the victory and we see the top and, and we get to see that experience with God. And it would be great if we could set up camp and just live the rest of our lives up on that promise and having seen what God has done. Had Abraham stopped, his blessing would have stopped. He wouldn't have ever seen the bigger and greater blessing if he'd ever just set up shop and stayed put. He kept being obedient. And so while we're in the wait for our promises to come through, what can we do but trust God and keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep going and let God lead our paths and trust him that he is going to do what he said he would do. James says, but let patience, whew, that's a hard one. I've always taught, don't pray for patience or humility. He'll humble you and he'll give you children. <laughs> let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Gotta wait for the promises, but when you get them, they're great. And the next slide. When you're going through it, when you're wondering where God is, when you're struggling in the storm, when things don't seem to be going right, you know God's made a promise, you know you can stand on his word, you have to remember these verses, the, the idea that God will do what he said he would do. 
Isaiah says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. If he says it, he's going to do it. Second Corinthians says, for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. He's going to do it. Second Peter says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. If we're going to experience his nature, we've got to hold on through the weight. We've got to make it through the trial, whatever it is, hold on through the weight. Amen? Next slide. Just a few more promises that felt like needed to be said. I don't know who needs to hear them, but Romans 8 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. First Kings says, blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Next slide. There are promises that we can see and understand right now. We see God fulfilled that promise for me. And then there are promises that because we're human and we're alive, we're going to have to keep on standing on. We're going to cycle back through them. You will face fear. And you have to remember that God is the Prince of Peace. And you have to remember, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Because when you get the victory over that fear, probably won't be too long before something else comes along and you're going to have to conquer fear again. Temptation. Boy, I wish got the Holy Ghost and temptation was just gone. Amen. It doesn't work that way. There are no temptation taken you, but such is coming to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you be, to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You're going to deal with pride. You're going to have to force your own will down. James says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And the next slide, I think this is the last one. The promises we have to stand on, we're going to face things like depression, things that want to make us feel down or not happy. And God says, no, no, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. When you get down, quote that verse. This is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jeremiah says, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. You get discouraged, read the word. You get upset, you get nervous, you get scared, read his word. His promises will come to pass and you do have the victory. Hallelujah. Would you stand as we close? Abraham didn't know when he started out. The only word he had was go to a land that I'll show you. It's all he had. And by faith, he started walking. And as he went, 
God honored his faith and kept adding promise upon promise upon promise upon promise. And wherever you are tonight, whatever circumstance you might find yourself in, you need to trust he's brought you this far. He's got more for you ahead. You just keep walking and keep trusting, and God will make a way. Amen. Pastor.